feel like a kid in a candy shop tonight being with you all here in Pena, and I'm just really, I am so uh, stoked about, I'm, I'm stoked about this building.
I see this house as a house of healing. And I'm asking the Lord that there would come a reputation in this area that there is healing in this house. And I see the, the people of this congregation, each of you almost like a specialized physician. You'll help people in one way, you'll help people in another way. You're going to be a specialist in a different way. And each of you, in a unique way, with your skills and your giftings and calling, are going to be healing people in special ways. And I'm asking the Lord to make this a house of healing in Penyan, in Jesus' name. I love your pastor. We've traveled together. We've done some nations, and I'm just I'm just blessed to be here with you. I've got some other friends here tonight that I'm not going to embarrass by name. You know who you are, but I'm just glad for the friends that have come to be with me here tonight. Thank you. And <clears throat> I'm not. I don't have a book on tonight's message. Jericho. 
forever. And so when you get to Jericho, you turn west and you start the climb to Jerusalem. It's an 18-mile trip from Jericho to Jerusalem, and you're going to climb about two-thirds of a mile, about a kilometer in elevation to get to Jerusalem. <clears throat> when you started on the Jericho Road, that's where the songs of ascents started. Have you noticed in the book of Psalms 15 songs of ascents? Psalm 120 to 134, song of ascents. And they were the songs that would be sung by the pilgrims as they're making the climb to Jerusalem. So I like to think of the songs of ascents as the songs that Jesus sang on his last trip headed for the cross. Somebody else that was singing those songs on this occasion was a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. When Jesus came to Jericho, he healed a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And he said to him, like he always said to people, go your way. And Bartimaeus goes, you just heal me, man. Your way is my way. And Bartimaeus says, I'm with you, I'm following you. Well, if you're going to follow Jesus when he leaves Jericho, there's only one place you're going, Jerusalem. There's nothing between Jericho and Jerusalem. So if you're going to hit the Jericho road with Jesus, you're going to Jerusalem. So Bartimaeus has made this decision. He's like, you know what? I have never seen Jerusalem. I'm going to see Jerusalem for the first time in my life. I'm going to be at my very first Passover, and I'm, I get to do it with Jesus. So Bartimaeus is on the road with Jesus and the whole gang as they're making the final trip to Jerusalem. And when the songs of ascents begin, I can imagine Bartimaeus, because if they did them in order, they would have sung Psalm 120 first goes like this. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. And Bartimaeus is going, I've never sung the songs of ascents on this road before. My goodness, this is my story. I just cried out to him, and he heard me, and he healed me. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Well, he's never lifted his eyes to any hills in all his life. And now he's singing the song, Head for Jerusalem. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Because he's there. that song is talking about... 
about looking at the hills of Judea and knowing Zion is over those hills. God is my help, and I'm headed for Zion. It's a song of pilgrimage. Now, as they're making their way to Jerusalem, it would have been nice if it was a steady incline, one and a half degree incline over 18 miles. Wouldn't that have been sweet? But the road from Jericho to Jerusalem is like this. I'm sure you've taken a pen. I took it in a bus one time, and I'm, I was like, oh my goodness. <clears throat> that, for me, pictures the life of faith. The life of faith is not like this. The life of faith is like this. Psalm 84 talks about it. If you want to turn to Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. It's the guy that's decided, I'm going to Jerusalem for the Passover. Verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, it seems that the valley of Baca was on that Jericho Road, maybe one of the darkest, driest valleys as you're on that Jericho Road. They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God. So when it says they go from strength to strength, it's envisioning the Jericho Road, strength to strength, mountain to mountain. It's depicting the life of faith. I used to think that when it said they go from strength to strength, I used to think it looked like this. They go from strength to strength to strength of like a stairway. It doesn't look like that. They go from strength to strength to strength. That's the Christian life. It's a roller coaster. You get to the summit of a mountain and Jesus says, I'm calling you higher. He gives you a vision for another mountain. You launch out for that higher thing in God, and you go thunk. Oh, God, this is not higher. How did you think you were going to get to the next mountain? would take a gondola ride and just swing to the next mountain. I thought I would take in Christ Airlines and just 
fly to the next mountain. And the fact is, you're going to take this one on foot. Strength to strength. Every mountain that you take in the kingdom of God is preceded by a valley. And I do mean every mountain. Actually, the valley is essential to the process, to the journey, because it's in the valley that you grow your faith. It's in the valley that you have to put roots into God. It's in the valley that you excavate stuff in the spirit. It's in the desperation of the valley that stuff happens in you so that you can take the mountain. The valley empowers your faith, strengthens your faith so that you can take the next mountain. The valley is essential. Another metaphor for it, David talked about the Lord training his feet like deer's feet, like hind's feet, so that he could walk his high places. God trains your feet in the valley so that you can walk the next mountain. If he doesn't train your feet in the valley, you can actually take a fall on the slopes of the next mountain. You've got to have your feet trained like a deer so that you can navigate the next mountain in the kingdom of God. So you take a mountain. <clears throat> Let's say that it's a financial mountain. You went through a horrific financial ordeal. You laid hold of promise. You pressed into the Lord. You watched him do miracles in your finances. And you made that summit. And you are so full of faith. You're like, man, I think I should write a book on this. You just want to talk to everybody about it. And when you find somebody that's struggling in their finances, you get this grin on your face. You are like, I'm telling you, God supplies. He is the God of provision. And, and you've got all kinds of faith. You're encouraging them. And, and you're just like, I love this mountain. And then your kids become teenagers. <laughs> and you discover that the faith that gave you this mountain is not the faith that will give you the next mountain. Yesterday's faith will not take today's mountain. The mountain that's in front of you requires an excavation of faith all over again. And you're like, you know what? I thought that I was a woman of faith until this happened. You are a woman of faith. You're just taking a new mountain. You feel like you're starting all over. You're like, you know, 
my life is just two steps forward and three steps back. Well, if you'll look where you are in this valley and let God give you perspective, today's valley is actually higher than last year's pinnacle. You're growing in faith. You're moving towards Zion. You're in a journey with God. And he's writing a story with your life. You're going like, you know what? My life is just one series of valleys. I am valley after valley after valley. Like, what is wrong with my Christian walk? Why am I just valley after valley? And the Lord's going, well, you can look at it like that if you want. But from my angle, you're doing mountain after mountain after mountain. All you can see is valley after valley after valley. And he's going, how about mountain after mountain, strength after strength. You're in a journey with God, strength to strength, faith Isaiah says, 
you will not go astray, but you will make it to Zion, and you will appear before God. Stay on the highway of holiness. So when I picture this, this roller coaster effect, and I call this the Christian life, I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should do a study on all the roller coasters in the Bible, the people that did this in the Bible, and write a book on them. And then I realized it wouldn't be a book. It would be an encyclopedia series. Because everybody in the Bible If you feel that your life has this component in it, welcome to the Christian faith. We've all, throughout the whole scriptures, they all walk this journey. You and I are walking this journey together. It's the way of faith. So I'm going to illustrate this way of faith with three things tonight. I'm going to talk about the patriarchs, how they were roller coasters. I'm going to talk about Abraham, how he was a roller coaster. And then I'm going to close with a personal story, Mr. Roller Coaster himself. <laughs> in the flesh with you tonight. First of all, the patriarchs. I'm talking about the sons of Jacob. Simeon, Levi, Reuben, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, and so on, the, the 12 guys. If you've read their stories, you know that it's pretty easy to be critical of Jacob's sons because they were scoundrels. And, uh, I mean, like Reuben slept with one of his father's wives, Levi and Simeon, they're hotheads, they take out a whole community in their rage. Judah has a tryst with the prostitute. I mean, the story's just kind of, you know, a little bit dicey. And when Jacob goes to bless his sons in, Ju in Genesis 49, it, it, and Genesis 49 says, okay, here's Jacob, here's the blessing he has for his sons. When you look at that blessing, you're like, Jacob, I think you had a hard time blessing your sons. Because really, only two of his sons really get a blessing. The others get scraps. Judah gets a pretty good blessing, and Joseph gets a pretty good blessing. The rest of them get the leftovers. Three of them actually get a curse. The three oldest are blessed by their father on his deathbed with a curse. Ain't that a great blessing to get as your dad is dying? <laughs> he just pronounces a curse to three of them. They were roller coasters on steroids. We could talk about all the stuff they did wrong. But now I'm going to tell you what they did right. And it's real easy. They stayed in the family. 
that's all they did. They just stayed in the family. Their dad cursed them, and they said, well, we're going to stay in the family. We have no options, I guess. And so they're in Egypt together. They're in the wilderness together. They're in Canaan together. They just stayed in the family. They stayed on the Jericho Road. And if you will stay on the road, my friend, you will make your way to Zion and you will appear before God. And because they stayed in the family, listen to how God honored them. Revelation 21, John sees the great city, holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He sees 12 gates to the city, and on the gates are written the names of Jacob's 12 sons. Scoundrel Simeon has his name on a gate of the eternal city forever. Train wreck Judah, unstable Simeon, Levi, these guys have their names on the eternal city over a gate forever. And all they did was stay in the family. If you will just stay with Jesus, stay on the Jericho Road, he will dignify you and establish you in glory. Jesus said to the disciples, Luke 22, verse 28, he said, you are those who have continued with me in my trials. This is Jesus giving a compliment. He didn't really have much he could say about these guys. You know what I'm saying? Not a whole lot of compliments for the 12, but you stayed with me the whole time. That's what he says to them. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me. My friends, stay in the Word. Stay in the Spirit. Stay in the kingdom. Stay in the church. Stay in His love. Abide in Him. And if you'll just stay on the Jericho Road, He's going to complete what He has started in your life, you might feel like you're valley after valley, but I'm prophesying over your life. One day, you're going to look back with his perspective, and you're going to go, oh my goodness, I thought I just lived a series of valleys. Look where he has lifted me to. You will appear before God in Zion. Stay in the family. That's good enough. You should say it to your neighbor right now. Stay in the family. That's the patriarchs. Roller coasters par excellence. Now, another famous roller coaster in the Bible, Abraham. Here we go. Romans 4, verse 20. 
Romans 4, verse 20. I love this sweet little verse. It's Paul writing about a, a, a portion of Abraham's journey during which he is promised a miracle baby. But for 25 years, he's going to stay in this journey and not see the miracle. It's going to be 25 years on the road before that miracle manifests. A 25-year period of waiting on God. And here's what Paul wrote about that 25-year period. He's promised Isaac, but he's not going to get Isaac for 25 years. And the scripture says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So the Holy Spirit is saying that during that 25-year waiting period, Abraham did not waver in unbelief. And I'm just like, God, have you read the Bible? Obviously, I'm reading a different story than God's reading. Because when I read Abraham's story, how many people have read the book of Genesis? You've read Genesis. You know. Uh, keep that verse on the screen, please. Thank you, Beth. You know that's not the truth. Because if anybody wavered, it was Abraham. The guy was a wishy-washy, up and down, vacillating roller coaster. We call him the father of faith. Well, he sure fathered this for us. <clears throat> the guy was a professional waverer. Spirit is trying to convince me tonight that he did not waver at the promise of God, and I'm just not buying it. I think you must be reading a different storyline from me, because I'll tell you, Lord, the script that I'm reading, Abraham says to his wife, well, uh, you know, sweetheart, it does seem like God's having a difficult time delivering on that promise. And he probably would appreciate a little bit of help on our end. And we end up with Ishmael. So Abraham and his wife, they put their heads together and they're like, let's help God out with this thing a little bit here. And so we end up with Ishmael. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Give me a break. We've got the baby to prove it. <laughs> Abraham, professional waverer. How about the time that Abraham says to his wife, he says, sweetheart, I want you to tell the king that you're my sister. Because if he knows that you're my wife, he'll kill me so that he can have you. Babe, save my life. Tell the man you're my sister. 
Holy Spirit has the gall to try to say to me tonight, he did not waver at the promise of God, and I'm not buying it because I've got the story right in front of me. But the Holy Spirit testifies he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. The Holy Spirit testifies that from the time he was 75 years old till the time he was 100 years old, he was strengthened in faith. The Holy Spirit testifies from the time he was promised a miracle until the time he got his miracle, he was strengthened in faith. Here's how I chart the verse joy. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He was a roller coaster the whole way. But when you look where he started and where he ended, he had more faith at a hundred than he had at seventy-five. And God goes, I call that not wavering. Because when you stay on the Jericho Road, ups and downs, if you'll just stay on the road, he looks at your journey and calls it not wavering. God's not looking at this. He's looking at your trajectory. Abraham found something in the grace of God. Every time he hit into one of these, he would lay hold of his promise. God, you spoke that to me. You gave that to me. That was the voice of God. And he would rise again in faith. Every one of these was followed by one of these. And he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And here's how God does the math. He takes off all your lows because he's not depressed when you are. And then he takes off all your highs because he's not that impressed when you're having a spiritual day. And he's looking to see how will you walk with him through the years. God doesn't measure your journey in days. He's not looking like, oh, you had a good day. Oh, you had a bad day. He really doesn't pay attention. He doesn't even measure your journey in weeks. Good week, bad week, whatever. He doesn't even measure your journey in months. Good month, bad month, not even a blip on his screen. I want you to hear it. God measures your spiritual journey in years. The question in the heart of God is not, are you having a good week or a bad week? The question in the heart of God is, where will you be this time next year? Well, I might have a whole lot of this between now and September of 2020, but check on me in 2020. I'm going to be higher in grace, higher in love, higher in good works. I'm going to be reaching for more in the Word of God, higher in intimacy with Jesus. I'm on the Jericho Road, and I'm staying. 
I am speaking from a little bit of experience here because I think I may possibly be the biggest roller coaster in the room tonight. You may think you can challenge me for that distinction. I'll give you a run for your money. <clears throat> and here's why. Dennis, I don't know if you can understand or appreciate what I'm about to say, but when this happened to my voice 27 years ago, it catapulted me into, uh, into trauma. It was traumatic for me. And uh, actually wrestled with depression for 15 years. I, I never really understood till then how something in your body can trigger your spirit and your soul and just the emotional stability of my soul. I lost my ability to control my soul. And it started to take off on me. You were there with me, Larry, in those days. And my soul began to take off on me. I couldn't control it. And I've decided I'm not paying it any more attention. In fact, don't even ask me what kind of a day I'm having. I don't really care. If you want to ask me a question, ask me this. Bob, where will you be this time next year? Glad to answer that question. Between now and September 2020, I have no idea how deep the valleys that I'm going to face. But check on me a year from now. I'm going to be higher in grace, higher in understanding, higher in the kingdom. I'm on the Jericho Road. I'm staying on the highway of holiness, even though the foolishness of unbelief sometimes tears at my soul. I'm staying on the highway of holiness, and I will appear before my God in Zion. Stay on the road. <clears throat> Somebody says, well, but the reason you're not healed in your voice yet is because you don't have enough faith. And I'm like, well, of course I don't have enough faith. <laughs> Whoever had enough faith? <laughs> Nobody I know. <laughs> but I've got more than I used to. <laughs> because I'm being strengthened in faith. But I don't have as much as I'm going to. Because I'm being strengthened in faith. I'm a pilgrim on the Jericho Road, and I'm headed for Zion, and I've made a simple choice. I'm staying on this road. And one reason that I'm talking about this tonight is because the enemy will accuse us, and he'll say things like this to us. Yeah, you know, you were on a journey for Zion. God was taking you somewhere, but you're such a wishy-washy up and down, undependent. 
disqualified yourself from the story. And the small voice has come tonight to say to you, it's not this that disqualifies you. It's if you give up on the Jericho Road. Never leave the family. Stay in the family. Stay on the road. Hold to his hand. Stay in his word. Stay in the spirit. And he will bring you to Zion. One day you're going to have a perspective that you don't even have today. You're going to look back and go, oh my goodness. Look what the Lord has done. I thought I was valley after valley and he's been bringing me strength to strength to strength. Actually, if you can receive what I'm about to say, it's actually this that qualifies you. Hebrews 2.16 For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So if you're a child of Abraham, if you're a son of faith, a daughter of faith, in the order of Abraham, roller coaster par excellence, if you are an up and down roller coaster, there's help for you. If you're a perfect angel tonight, I'm sorry, there's no help for you. There is only help for children of Abraham, sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham, men and women of faith that are on the same pathway that Abraham was on, and by the way, that David was on, and by the way, Joseph and Daniel and Samuel, and I mean, let's just start, Jacob, let's start listing the names. They all of them shared the road you're on right now. I'm calling it the Jericho Road. You can call it the Highway of Holiness. You can call it the Walk of Faith. Call it the Christian Life. It's the journey all of us take. And if you are a broken child of faith, he comes alongside and he says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to speak words to you. I'm going to feed you and nourish you and sustain you and help and strengthen you so that you make it all the way to Zion. I'm going to pause for just a moment because I want to ask, is there anyone here that you have had the enemy saying things to you like this, you're not going to make it. You're not going to finish this thing. You're going to become a casualty. Anybody that would lift a hand, Bob, I'd like you to pray for me right now because actually, okay, hold it up. I want to see. Get that hand out. One, two, three, four. You've heard this voice. I've got a bunch of hands. So lift it up. I'm going to pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, I'm asking for every person that has their hand lifted that has heard the lie of the accuser. You're not going to make it. You're going to be a casualty. You don't have what it takes. Heavenly Father, I'm asking now for 
this and you are coming to this daughter of faith right now you are coming to this son of faith right now and you are saying to them I'm going to strengthen you because you're a roller coaster I'm going to help you because you're a daughter of faith it's because of your struggle that I'm coming to you your struggle has not disqualified you. It has qualified you for my help. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. Lay hold of his promise now. Lay hold of his assurance in the Holy Spirit. You are going to finish this race. And I speak over your life in the Holy Spirit. You will appear before God in Zion. It's yours. So we talked about the patriarchs, roller coasters par excellence. We've talked about Abraham, master roller coaster. I think I've got them all beat. Here's my personal story. Now I'm gonna the story I'm about to tell you. Actually, I'm gonna let my son do it for me. My son has produced some films for me. They're on YouTube. If you haven't tuned into my YouTube channel, go straight home tonight and get on YouTube, Bob Sarki channel, and you can check out my films that my son has produced for me. This is one of them, tells a little bit of my story, and uh, it's, uh, it's by Mr. Roller Coaster himself. Here it comes. was reading the writing on the wall. 
it's over. And I'm in such distress because I don't have a theology for something like this. How can you be giving yourself fully to the Lord, walking in obedience, being fruitful in ministry, and take a hit on something that's taking you out of everything God's called you to? I mean, my theology says that giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. And so I'm in the crisis of my life. Coming into 1994, it's two years after the injury, and I'm in so much pain. Every word hurts, and I'm trying to be faithful as a pastor, and I'm in such distress. I cannot go on any longer. I'm just saying, Lord, just let me quit. Let me resign and crawl into a hole somewhere, and God will not let me resign.
summer of 94, 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, baseball in America. Katie is sitting next to me, and then the four boys, and I'm sitting there, and the cloud has not moved an inch. I am absolutely miserable. And I start having this conversation, I don't know if it's with God or myself, but I start having this inner conversation that starts like this. that 
hearing his still small voice. He is with me. He's closer than ever. He loves me. He's for me. And I'm just like, this is a bad way to think. And I'm trying to shut the stupid thing off. And I cannot shut this idea off in my head. And my analytical side kicks in and I start calculating my chances. I've never been in a game like this before. What are my chances of catching a baseball? So I'm, you know, pi r squared on the field. I'm, I'm, I'm counting how many people are in the stands. I'm, I'm counting how many balls are being caught. They're not catching baseballs. And besides that, we're under this overhang. There's a set of bleachers above us. A ball couldn't even get here if I wanted to this three quarters of the way through the game this guy hits a fly ball with one motion hundreds of people rise to their feet baseball gloves come out of nowhere I've never seen so many baseball gloves in all my life everybody's on their feet for the sky and I'm on my feet with the rest of the fools. Here comes the ball, obviously not coming my direction. It comes like this. It's a cross beam at the base of the overhang, careens off it at this bizarre angle and comes down straight at me. It hit me in my hands, bounced off my chest and landed in my daughter Katie's lap. There's an old codger sitting in front of me. He turns around and he says to me, I've been coming to this field every week for 25 years. I have never caught a baseball. Katie goes, I got a baseball. I can't talk to her because of this, but I'm looking at her and thinking, that ain't your baseball. That's my baseball. stands he gave me a baseball I don't know if you have room in your theology for this but I'm telling you God gave me a baseball on a Sunday afternoon and I don't know if my interpretation is right I'm just telling you what it meant to me I'm not finished with you it's not over continue to abide in my love live in my word Give me your heart, and I will finish the story I've started with your life. I love you. I am for you. I am with you. is saying that same thing to somebody in this room tonight. I'm 
for you. I'm going to finish what I've started in your life. I'm going to take you all the way to Zion. And all he asks of us, just stay in the family. Stay in faith. Stay in my word. Give me your love. Yes, you are a roller coaster par excellence. You can sign up at my table. We're starting a new club, Roller Coasters Anonymous. Give me your email and you can be part of my club. We're all of us in this journey together. And the Holy Spirit is coming alongside you right now. Just receive it. He's coming along right, side, right, right beside you right now. And he says, I'm with you. I'm for you. And I'm going to finish. I'm taking you all the way to Zion. I'm going to ask if Heidi and the worship team would uh, prepare to lead us in a song. They're going to wait until I'm finished with the microphone here just to help my voice. But in a moment, uh, Heidi, you can get ready if you want to. But if they would uh, take us in a song of response, just expressing our hearts to the Lord. And while we offer our response to the Lord, I want to invite anyone that would like to have a personal touch point of prayer with me. If you would like that, anyone that comes forward during this song, I will gently lay my hand on you as a personal touch point, a connection of faith. My faith connecting with your faith. What the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight, there's someone here that you just want to come and present yourself and say, Lord, I am presenting myself roller coaster and all. I'm presenting myself with all my ups and downs. You see, Lord, how my love sometimes goes like this. My faith sometimes goes like this. My consistency sometimes goes like this. But my heart is after you. And I'm coming to say, I am yours. And I'm staying on the highway of holiness. And I'm in this thing to the end. I'm staying in the family. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to finish what I can't do in myself. I want to agree with you and the Holy Spirit. He says to you tonight, yes, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. It's because you're a son of Abraham. It's because you're a daughter of Abraham that I'm coming alongside to help and strengthen you in your journey. If you would like to have that kind of a personal touch point with me to join your faith with my faith, you're actually not coming to me. You're coming to Jesus. You just want to come and stand before Jesus. I join my faith with yours, and I pray strength and encouragement to you as you navigate the Jericho Road. My friend, one day you will appear before God in Zion, and you will see your beloved